Hi, you're listening to the Dev Talks podcast. This is episode number two. and welcome to episode number two of the Dev Talks podcast. In this podcast, I'm chatting with Priya Banger and Priya is the owner of VintageMatchmaking.com. We have another podcast all about love. Priya is a psychology graduate from the United Kingdom. She has a massive interest in anything to do with love. She's completed an intense relationship science program, which we will talk a bit about in the podcast. And Priya is committed to making dating more than just short-term flings and one night stands. So she really focuses on matchmaking in a more traditional sense. Now in the podcast, we do talk a lot about love and helping her clients find who they're looking for. We also have a bit of a conversation around arranged marriages and arranged marriages versus forced marriages and how she actually helps some of her clients with arranged marriages. She also helps clients who have come out of relationships get over those relationships so that they can move forward into a new one. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation with Priya and I enjoy and thank you again for listening. So welcome Priya, thank, thank you, you so much for being on the second Deb Talks podcast. Thanks no pressure. for having me. You're welcome. <laughs> so Priya, you are founder, is that right, of the vintagematchmaking.com? I am, yes. Perfect, founder, owner, and it's just yourself or are you? Uh, I have some help now. Perfect. It's getting a little bit busier, so um, I have some help, which is nice. Perfect. Awesome. Well, tell us a little bit about VintageMatchmaking.com. And I mean, there's so many different matchmaking services out there. So what makes you guys a little bit different? Um, So I like to offer the in-person value. My main vision, my main goal for Vintage Matchmaking is to help establish the real authentic connection again. Um, So it's taking things a little bit old school. It's getting people offline and getting them in a room together where they can, um, you know, read body language and, you know, non-verbal cues and actually get to know one another rather than swiping and having endless, meaningless conversations. Um, Yeah. Okay, that's awesome. And how did you get into matchmaking? How did that come about in, in your life? Uh, so I was always really interested in love and watching people fall in love. So um, I actually went to university. I studied psychology. And after that, I went and started my own event planning company. So I was involved in a lot of weddings. And I absolutely, again, loved watching people um, be in love and be around that. Um a little bit after the event planning company, I got a little bit bored and I was like, what's next? So I actually took a huge leap and I moved to Canada. 
And when I got to Canada, um, it was really great because I landed a job in psychology and events, a job that combined both things. So I was really happy and really excited. But unfortunately, the same thing happened. I got a little bit bored. So I was like, what's yep. next? We've <laughs> all been there. Yeah. Um, so I really wanted to explore my passions, something that I'm going to hopefully not get bored of ever. Um, and I do a lot of meditating and I don't know if I can call myself a spiritual person but I'm hoping to be a spiritual person so um one day I was meditating and I was thinking about um what I can be doing and I was like just give me a sign what what can I do that I'm going to enjoy and I can help people at the same time I can use my education and I just had a vision, a flashback of when I used to set my friends up. <laughs> yeah, and I, I just started laughing to myself at that moment. And I was like, oh, my God, how can I start setting people up and use that as my career and use my psychology background and um, just be really happy doing what I love? So it kind of started from there. Nice. Yeah. Oh, it's nice when you can connect your education and something that you're, yeah. you're passionate about because it's hard. I mean, I know myself, I've been on a journey of I don't really know what I want to yeah. do kind of thing. So I've been in your shoes. Mm-hmm. Totally understand. Now, one thing um, you say on your website is that you're a holistic love and dating expert. So yes. what does that mean, holistic love and dating expert? So I don't like to just have a client and match them up with somebody that I feel might be a good match I actually go through a rigorous process with them so a lot of people who are looking for a relationship and are not yet in a relationship there's usually a reason so we kind of explore those reasons we analyze what went wrong in past relationships and what I found not only through my personal experience but through the work that I've been doing and also um, the research that I've done into this is a lot of people go through pain when it comes to love. Mm. So before they even, they're even able to find a future partner or their soulmate, they need to heal themselves from them. And a lot of the time they know it, but they don't know how to heal themselves. So mm-hmm. I would say I go um, through uh, various techniques that they can use and just even making them aware that they might still be hurting or they might be a little bit traumatized or they might be in pain because of a previous relationship or because of a relationship with a parent or Mm. anything else that might have gone on in their lives. We analyze that and then we try and make it better before we can proceed on to helping them find love. Okay. And do you ever have to just tell a client that they're not quite ready? All the time. Yeah. How do they take it? Uh, Some people take it really well. Some people are aware. And a lot of my clients have been very intuitive, which is nice. Others maybe not so well. And to be honest, I think I word it wrong. I use the word date coaching. Mm -hmm. And it's not really date coaching. I don't tell people how to date. I tell people how I tell people to explore how to love themselves first and um, be, you know, their authentic best version of themselves mm-hmm. before they're able to have a health, a happy, healthy relationship with somebody else. And um, once they get over that, they're they're usually pretty good mm-hmm. about um, 
you know, going through the various techniques and the sessions and then looking for love. And the results come out so much better um, than the ones who just want to jump straight into the matchmaking. Yeah. Yeah. No, I bet. I've, yeah. From experience, and I did mention this, I think, in the last podcast conversation we had, it was the same thing. I had to take a year off mm-hmm. and kind of work on myself. Yeah. And then I actually met someone who I'm incredibly happy with. Uh-huh. So Exactly. Yeah, I get it. It's frustrating too though when you're in that situation especially i'm 35 i'm you know and, yeah. and there's a lot of women and men mm-hmm. in the same situation where they just want to meet someone they maybe want to settle down they maybe mm-hmm. want to have kids but they still need to go through that process of so trying to tell someone that yeah. must be pretty difficult definitely and almost everyone I meet all my clients um, on a discovery meeting or an mm-hmm. initial meeting. I tell them my process and they're like, oh, I don't need that. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> so almost everyone dismisses it at first. Yeah. And then we kind of go back to the drawing board and they're like, okay, let's start again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, we get it now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it is. So true though. So um, one thing that you had mentioned to me when we had chatted before, mm-hmm was um, something fairly interesting that makes your business just a little different from other matchmaking sites. Mm -hmm. And that's that you help um, some communities who are big on arranged marriage. You Mm -hmm. help them kind of set up if if the family doesn't know someone usually it's you know the family knows someone or a family friend or something and then that arranged marriage happens from there but if the family doesn't then you help them with that so tell us a little bit about that yeah so I uh come from an East Indian culture Mm -hmm. I was born in England my um, parents came to England when they were very young but so we were kind of stuck in that transition where we're not fully growing up in the western world but still mm-hmm. growing up in the eastern lifestyle but everyone else is modernizing so I kind of grew up in that transition and in our family there were a lot of arranged marriages mm. now I'm I'm pretty lucky in my family everyone was really good about it and it wasn't oh, you meet this person and you have to marry them. That's not how arranged marriages work. Mm-hmm. Um, do you kind of have an introduction that's set up by maybe a family friend or um, a relative and think, oh, we know this guy or we know this girl, you guys should meet, we think you'd get along. And a lot of times these relationships work. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how they did it back in the day. So, And then you look at things now on online dating, uh, yeah, it works for some. Mm-hmm. It works amazingly for some. But for the other percentage who are still scrolling and, you know, <laughs> swiping, swiping <laughs> and it's just not happening for them, you have to think why. And there must be another way out because they're not going out and speaking to people. So mm-hmm. how else are they going to meet somebody? Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit about arranged marriages yeah. first. Um so there's still families who who like to go the arranged marriages marriage route, or there's individuals who might reach a certain point in their lives or a certain age and they're like, okay, I haven't been able to find someone myself, so help me out here. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, people are a little bit scared uh, to set people up. Divorce rates are higher; they don't know if it's going to work. Uh, people just don't know each other anymore. Um, 
back in the day, there were larger communities. Everyone knew everyone. So there was always somebody to introduce you to. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, everyone's in their tight-knit communities. They kind of stay in their little bubble. They don't go out and talk to as many people. Um, so it's kind of not as possible, mm-hmm. uh, which is where I come in, hopefully. And then there's... Uh, then there's still a relationship between, um, you know, parents or grandparents and an individual where um, they're not sure about the the person that's been brought home or uh, they don't want their child to be with this person because they're a different religion or they're mm. a different caste or, you know, it's an interracial relationship. So I've been approached a couple of times to come into their homes and um, it's really funny, but teach them about love mm-hmm. because they seem so oblivious they're thinking about all these superficial things yeah. what are people gonna think um you know how am i gonna face society and all these horrible horrible thoughts that we should not be thinking in the 21st century yeah. um, it's still happening so it i have to go into their homes and go back to basics and be like listen your son loves this woman Mm -hmm. they're happy together she's an amazing person get to know her give her a chance give them a chance let them be happy Mm -hmm. and that's the basis of what it is but these conversations can go on for hours and hours so yeah wow and how do the parents or grandparents are they receptive how do they take it i mean what's the process um i'd say Eight times out of ten, they become receptive. Mm -hmm. At first, they're usually not. Who is this random person coming into a house telling us how to, you know, behave with our children or what to believe? And then once we kind of go through the process of this is love, um, you know, we're we're modernizing and it's okay, Mm -hmm. um, they kind of get over it. Uh, it's a lot easier now to talk to the parents rather than the grandparents. The grandparents are still stuck in that era. Yeah. But sometimes the grandparents are even more receptive. So it, it just depends on the family and the family dynamics. And sometimes it just doesn't work. And sometimes you have to get out of there because no matter what you say or in however many ways you try and explain it, they they just won't accept it and at some points I have to put my hands up and say I'm really sorry mm-hmm. but I can't do this anymore yeah you especially know? if it's gone on for hours hours yeah yeah so what kind of process do you take them through then because I mean you've got some especially grandparents who are mm-hmm. probably very traditional yeah that's how they've been raised this has been part of their tradition and their culture for mm-hmm. a long time um, so yeah, how do you try to kind of unwind that a little bit? Um, so again, I go back to them and I ask them what their representation of love is, mm-hmm. of what a happy, healthy relationship and family is. And they say the the same things that we all believe. Um, from, so that's from their core. So them saying that out loud, it makes them rethink what's going on in their brain. Mm-hmm. And then we go back to their relationship and we say, if you could change things in your relationship, what would you change? Why would you change those things? So we analyse their relationships. Interesting. Yeah. And then after we do that, we ask them, what do you want for your children? Do you want them to be happy? Do you want them to be loved? Do you want them to be taken care of for the rest of their life? 
and you know they say those things themselves mm-hmm. and then again it makes them rethink and just doing little um pieces of that puzzle and it it gives them a new outlook on love mm-hmm. and slowly their perspective starts to change and they're lecturing me like oh yeah that's true <laughs> so yeah so it's up, yeah something mm-hmm. that eventually kind of unwinds it and clicks for them clicks. yeah perfect and like what i guess what do your clients say the clients who have come to you for mm-hmm. this help relief uh definitely relief um it's been really beautiful actually to mm-hmm. see the change in them when not only are they happy in the relationship but they're happy in their families mm-hmm. and their their families are happy for them their families are attending their wedding they didn't think it would ever be possible mm-hmm. so um it's it's a sense of joy i feel i feel joy for them and they're happy mm-hmm. yeah oh, that's sweet yeah. so one thing um when we were talking last time we were talking about how you help set up an arranged marriage mm-hmm. but we were talking also about you know that Arranged marriages mm-hmm. gets a bad rap mm-hmm. in the Western world. But then you made a great point, but an arranged marriage is not necessarily a forced no. marriage. So, yeah, tell us a bit about the, okay. the differences. So, again, like I said, arranged marriages are usually just an introduction made by a family friend mm-hmm. or um, just somebody that you may know. It could be a friend just trying to set you up on a blind date. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that would be classed as an arranged marriage. Okay. Uh, usually it's not a blind that you see each other's photos beforehand mm-hmm. you know you know the stats the height the weight the okay maybe not the weight and <laughs> um, the age and things like yeah. that what they do for a living and um, you kind of get their bio data on paper and then you decide yeah you know this guy could be cool I want to meet him or I'm not really my type thanks for trying you know maybe the next one <laughs> so that's kind of the essence of an arranged marriage um, and only, you know, after the introduction, you date a little bit, you see where it goes. If it if it goes to marriage, then great. If it doesn't, then it, it's okay. You know, there's other people out there. A forced marriage is the kind of marriages that you hear about in the papers. Um, you know, usually back east, it's, it can be done for money, for business purposes. There's things like child marriages that go on mm-hmm. everywhere. Um, those are the kind of marriages that we avoid. Um, nobody, everybody has a choice. Yeah. If you don't like a person, or if you're not ready to get married, or if you want to focus on yourself, that's your choice. Mm-hmm. Um, in a forced marriage, you don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. You're thrown into it, and um, it's it's getting less popular now, but it is still happening. Mm-hmm. So it's about being aware of it. And making sure that if you know of anyone going through that to to seek help. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of charities that um can help, a lot of women's charities nowadays. Um but that's that's the difference between the two. A forced marriage, there's no choice. An arranged marriage is completely up to you. Yeah. It's still just like you're dating, but yeah, it's just someone it's just an introduction. It's an introduction. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Um, and I mean, it has been like a massive part of East Indian culture yeah. for a long time. I'm curious to know uh, the millennials these mm-hmm. days, are they continuing that tradition or do they tend to be pulling away from that? So it's funny to see actually, because 
in their early 20s or um, as they grow up, they're pulling away. Mm-hmm. As they hit their 30s, it's like, <laughs> okay, mum, remember that auntie you were telling me about who knows that boy? <laughs> Do you think you could put us in touch? Yeah. So I think as you get older, you become more open to it. Okay. Or as you uh, become readier for to settle down, um you become more open to it if you haven't met the right person. If you have, then that's amazing. Mm-hmm. If you haven't, then you're like, okay, what can I do next? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, fair enough. And then what about the other side, like the the grandparents or the parents who are still fairly traditional? Mm-hmm. Um, do you ever hear from, you know, families who maybe weren't happy because they're they're 25 year old daughter or son were on tinder and they're not quite accepting of the new modes of dating out there uh, okay so honestly i i don't think uh a 25 year old will an east indian 25 year old will probably tell their parents they're on tinder okay okay yeah. most 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 25 year olds that i know uh, or they'll just say they're online dating they mm-hmm. won't tell you the extent of of <laughs> tinder okay basically um but i'm not disregarding tinder it can be so great for some i know people yeah. who have found love on tinder um so i'd say it's come to the point now where parents are just happy that their children are looking for somebody, mm-hmm. especially as they get older into their 30s, because then they start worrying, oh, she's never going to get married and I'm never going to see my grandchildren and and things like that. Yeah. So times are changing slowly. Um, but it's also being about being careful. You know, you hear stories about people being catfished and mm-hmm. they're not talking to the right kind of people. And so for me, that's really scary. Yeah. Um, and like my sister now, she's, she's in her thirties and she's never tried online dating. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, she's single and you know, I've, I've had the conversation like, why, why don't you try it? And she's like, I just don't want to. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not for everyone, right? Exactly. Um, so yeah, I think it's just about being careful, having that balance, and the communication is important. Mm-hmm. Um, keeping your parents in the loop and trying to find some way to communicate with them if you can't talk about those kind of things with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, fair enough. It's, I mean, it's hard to tell your parents you're dating. Yeah. I know it's, you know, <laughs> you kind of dread that conversation, mm-hmm. and it's not that you know they don't like it it's just that there's still that kind of taboo or just awkwardness yeah, around definitely talking about it with family and it's funny i'm watching that tv show just now called jane the virgin oh have yeah you seen it? i yeah. have she tells her mom everything, everything. but she has a young hip mom doesn't she yeah yeah, yeah. her mom's pretty young but still, <laughs> my mom's pretty young but i still you know it's only maybe been in the past so like five four or five years i've mm-hmm. really been able to feel like i can tell her Openly, stuff yeah but yeah sometimes i watch that show and i'm like oh my god she just come on <laughs> and sometimes she tells her grandmother yeah. Well. So it's like, yeah oh god but yeah more open communication i think is definitely. needed um and definitely between you know the baby boomers and the millennials mm. because we get i tend to find we get those two different categories get so like they're separate mm-hmm. and it's almost like we can't communicate one, with one another mm-hmm. um and it 
I know that's not the case. I'm being fairly stereotypical here, but it can be almost like we're head to head a little mm-hmm. bit with our differences and it would be really great if we could just all definitely yeah I think um again it comes down to communication and also Mm -hmm. we have to educate our parents a little bit Mm -hmm. about how the world is changing how we're evolving and um so the baby boomers they had a list of criteria that they might have had for themselves Mm -hmm. right and it's the same for us but just in a different way yeah so And I'm sure they would have rebelled against their parents and they married people that their parents might not have wanted them to necessarily. So um, they need to realise that they were young once. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) we're going through a similar situation. And they think it's easier for us now with uh, the internet and the digital Mm -hmm. age, but it's so much harder. Yeah, it definitely is Mm. harder. Um, One thing I was reading earlier was an article um, on Hello Giggles Mm because they're on my Facebook feed. And the article was just saying how a lot more women are deciding that they don't want to get married anymore. It's Mm -hmm. not a high priority anymore. Um, And they were comparing the numbers to the 1970s and 80s and how, you know, there was a massive amount. I can't remember the stats. I'll Mm -hmm. post the article at the bottom of the blog. But um, they were just saying how the numbers have drastically changed. And it was all around fracking. So in like the 70s, 80s, when there was like the coal boom and everything Mm -hmm. and everyone's mining, the women were trying to seek the men Mm. who got those jobs because at the time it's like they kind of needed them for you know just Uh for the money to come to live right (laughs) whereas now it's like well no we don't yeah exactly (laughs) thank god we can do ourselves okay we're not quite Mm -hmm. there 100% because of wage gaps and still a lot of stupid sexist shit out there but um we're getting there hopefully mm-hmm. um yeah so it was just interesting that so many people now are deciding not to get married and it actually made me think like and because you're in this industry mm-hmm. a lot more than you know know a lot more than I ever will but how does that affect like a dating agency when there are women who are deciding mm-hmm. they don't want kids they don't want money they may not even want to be with someone maybe they just want casual relationships now because we can yeah. right mm-hmm. and how how does that affect uh, yeah, um, the dating sites I can't really comment on that because at the moment, about 70% of my clientele are women. Mm -hmm. So I'm still seeing that huge, um, I guess, that huge rise of women looking to date and looking to start families and like a smaller amount of men. Mm -hmm. So I'm still seeing that. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's good for your business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, awesome. I guess. And I suppose you're <laughs> going to attract, you know, the the clients who mm-hmm. are looking for what you offer. So, yeah. you know, either way, you're probably going to have high figures. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it just made me wonder, you know, <laughs> is there, does it affect? Any- I, I think it's amazing, though. Um, I think, you know, women and men should be able to, again, make the choice of mm-hmm. whether they want to get married, yeah. whether they want to have children. Because back in the day, it was just something that you do. Yeah. And it's amazing now that actually it can be a priority if you want it to be. Yeah. So um, I say good for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I know. I always remember 
when I was single for a while back there and I was back home in mm-hmm. Scotland and I was in the car with my dad and I was explaining how expensive Vancouver is mm-hmm. to live in and you know the same old Vancouver complaints mm-hmm. that we have and he said to me well you just need to hurry up and find someone to make <laughs> it a lot easier yeah. and I was like no, no. I can't <laughs> I was kind of a bit gobsmacked mm. that he said that, but he comes from, you know, he that comes generation. Exactly. Yeah. So it's not, you know, that he didn't mean anything bad by it. Mm. But I was like, I have to look after myself, even yeah. if it's something that I want. I mean, it is. Um, and frankly, I've met a great person now, but I could never rely on that person to kind of, you know, sub yeah. my income. Yeah. I even if I'm with someone, mm-hmm. I don't want to put someone else in that position. Mm-hmm. So it's just amazing how things have changed. And yeah, I just wondered how that kind of really affects yeah. the dating world. But hey, there's still lots of women, myself included, who does want to get married yeah. eventually and have kids, right? And then mm-hmm. lots of us don't. So uh-huh. it's all good. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> It's all good. So you would say that marriage then for the the most of your clients is really important. It's like high on the priority list. Um, If not marriage, then definitely a long-term commitment. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, Not all of my clients want to get married and that's fine. The end goal usually is marriage though. Yeah. 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 No, that's fair enough. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. And kids sometimes too. Um, Yeah. No, one thing I actually wanted to ask about you was Mm -hmm. another thing um, that was in your bio on the website, which I thought was kind of interesting, Mm -hmm. was that you had taken an intense relationship science program. And I was like, what does that entail? So... It was intense. Okay. <laughs> it says it right in the name. Um, it was, again, analyzing relationships and why they work and why they don't work and the kind of techniques that I now apply to my mm-hmm. coaching sessions. Um, and it, it went back to, like, you know, hundreds of years ago and why and how relationships work then and how they've evolved mm-hmm. and what's going on in the women's brain and what's going on in the men's brain so it's using a lot of neuropsychology okay. and um, it was really interesting to see how the different hormones work when you meet someone the different chemicals you know the happy hormones what's going on and yeah. um, it was really cool because I learned that your heart actually has its own set of hormones oh. so yeah so when we say that my heart broken or you know I'm sad my heart's hurting or my heart's really happy you're actually feeling it in your heart oh wow yeah so things like that I learned so um I actually do something called a love healing meditation okay uh, when I when I'm with my clients when I do workshops and we actually focus on the heart chakra mm-hmm. um so things like that I learned through the relationship science course wow yeah. that's awesome where did you take that um it was actually an online course okay. I can't remember the university um it kind of just again it fell on my lap yeah. um I like to think that I manifest these things. <laughs> I'm not sure how true that is. But um, I got a, an email in my inbox one day from um, a friend who was taking another course at this... It was an open university. Okay. Uh, who was taking another course at this university. And she was like, hey, I think you'd be really interested in this. Check it out. And I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Yeah. Um, so I did it online whilst I was working. Um, and, yeah... That's awesome. So what would you say like from this particular course Mm -hmm. that you took is kind of the biggest reasons that relationships don't work? 
Uh, I wouldn't say there's a biggest reason. I would say uh, mostly it depends. We blame the other person. Mm -hmm. Usually it's ourselves again. (laughs) (laughs) We go into a relationship when we're not ready, when we're not happy with ourselves, uh, when we're not truly um, our, you know, true, authentic, best version of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we jump into a relationship and we think we're going to get all of those things once we're in a relationship from this person. And generally that's not how it happens. So... We're still upset. We're still depressed. We, we we're still unfulfilled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like you're looking for someone to fill those gaps. Yeah, but really, the only person who can do that is, is you. You. Yeah. you can't look for someone um, to complete you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I know. I've always, um, you know, I've learned that lesson the hard way, mm-hmm. <laughs> and. Um, I with my partner now I it's funny because sometimes I'll I want to say to him like you make me so happy mm-hmm. and but then I'll be like you make me happier <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way to do yeah. it <laughs> and he gets it he knows where I'm coming from when I mm-hmm. do that because we've had this conversation and I always say you know I love you so much but I want you to know that if you were ever unhappy mm-hmm. I wouldn't want you to continue this yeah. like I would break my heart but I'd get over it mm-hmm. and I would just I don't want you to be with me because you feel like you have to or you don't want to upset me yeah because I've been there and it didn't feel good yeah. and I don't want you to go through that so I mean we've talked about wow if we what we would do if we broke up we were like so prepped (laughs) again it's about keeping that communication open Mm -hmm. and you know knowing that you'll be okay if something happens and that your partner will too like nobody's going to be so heartbroken that they can't continue and go on exactly yeah yeah they get over it too and I mean another big thing um and again because thankfully now as a woman I can work and um, I have those you know benefits now um I guess my parents and grandparents were still in the era back when you looked to the man for security mm-hmm. so you know I've been in past relationships or heard of other people who were in a relationship and breaking up and someone you know around that age saying oh but what about that security mm-hmm. I wouldn't have left because she has that house or mm-hmm. they have that car and that's not the reason to stay. Mm. I mean, it's hard to walk away from those things. And especially if you're in a tough financial position, I get it. It can mm-hmm. be very difficult. Not saying it's easy, but um, yeah, that's tough. Do you ever coach clients through breakups? Um, so I would say that I coach all of my clients through a breakup because most of them have never really healed from their past relationships. Ah, interesting. Yeah. But um, directly after a breakup, no. Okay. Um, because the, most of the clients that I work with are, you know, they've been in relationships, they haven't worked out, but now they want a new relationship. Okay. Yeah. 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 So you have to, like we said earlier, kind of get mm-hmm. them to go through the working on themselves exactly. part and then hopefully then yeah. it's, hopefully it's easier for them to to go on another date and yeah. meet someone else. And, and it's so funny because when we go through that process and we go through our sessions, um, like about a handful of my clients, by the time we're at the end of our sessions and we're ready to go into the matchmaking, they've already met someone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's like, see, this is what you needed. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I know. It's, it's the same for me. I And I mentioned this in the last one. Mm-hmm. There was a book called Calling in the One. 
Mm-hmm. And I started working through that. And by chapter eight, I'd met someone oh, I didn't wow. even get to the real thing. <laughs> but I think if you just start, it's almost like everything falls into place exactly. when you start to work on yourself. Yeah. And we also set intentions of mm-hmm. meeting somebody and meeting the right person, not just anybody. Yeah. So I think once you put that intention out into the universe, the universe conspires to make it happen. Yeah. Definitely. I'm kind of big on uh, the manifestation Mm -hmm. right now. Um, I'm thankfully in a relationship, but uh, Mm -hmm. just career wise, it's something I've been doing a lot of Mm -hmm. lately. So I understand that, you know, the law of attraction, right? Putting out there, doing vision boards. Yeah, exactly. Dream boxes, Pinterest boards. Yeah. One of the Mm -hmm. things I tell my clients is, do you even have space at the moment for a relationship Mm -hmm. in your life? If not, you have to make space. So yeah. I tell them to go home and clear out half of their wardrobe yeah. so there's space for somebody else in there. Sleep on one side of your bed, yeah. you know, things like yeah. that. Someone, I also read something similar to mm-hmm. this. If you only have one bedside cabinet, mm-hmm. you should buy one get for two. the other side. You yeah. need to get two. And I thought that was quite funny. Yeah, um, yeah it's like you've got to make that make definitely. that space. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It was tough because I, I lived in a bachelor suite. So I was like, <laughs> how am I supposed to do this? <laughs> These are the things that work. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It did do a big clear out. And mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, I Marie, Marie Condé'd my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that book, The Life-Changing <laughs> Magic of uh, Tidying Up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, that definitely helped. But yeah, making awesome. the space and, and the time too. I think, mm-hmm. I don't know if a lot of your clients, I'm assuming, are probably professionals mm-hmm. or probably business women or, you know, corporate yeah. women um, find or men. And mm-hmm. finding the time can be difficult. Like, how do you help them with that? Definitely. But one of the things, um, so I date my clients before they go off and date so I make sure that when I'm having these meetings with them they know that if they're invested in this they're not not just investing money but Mm -hmm. they're investing themselves which Mm -hmm. includes their time it's it's a commitment if they want a relationship the commitment starts now and you know it continues it's not like once this is over and you meet someone you don't make time for them anymore. Yeah. So it's a learning process and it has to start from then and it needs to continue because if it doesn't, that relationship is going to suffer. Yeah, no, that's so yeah. true. I remember I must have been on Tinder years ago mm-hmm. and or one of the dating apps and one guy had just written how he's like, yeah, I have like three jobs, so I never really have much time, but yeah, mm-hmm. reach out and, you know, we'll try and meet. And it's like, well, why did you say that? Yeah. No one's going to contact you because what's the point? You're probably or, just going to Or just say, I'm available for late night meetings. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So do you coach your clients once they've met someone um, through kind of any relationship problems or is it usually like once they've met someone that's that's the, your job is um, done? So I hope to give everyone the resources and the techniques and everything through the coaching session so when they're in a relationship they know how to cope with certain situations mm-hmm. and things that might come their way. Hopefully I've given them enough tools to deal with that. Um, but if they're in a relationship or, you know, they might not be in a relationship and they haven't found the right person and they still come back to me for advice, uh, I feel like I'll always, you know, be there to answer their emails mm-hmm. and to answer their questions because 
not everyone can have the answers all the time and sometimes yeah. you just need an outside perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's fair enough. Now, one thing you had mentioned to me is that you don't generally get into details about your own relationship yes. because that's something that you advise your clients to also do too. Yeah. Tell us about that. So I encourage my clients to be um, pretty discreet about their relationships mm-hmm. and who they're seeing and how their relationship is going and um, try and keep it off social media if you can. Um, I found that a lot of relationships get ruined once other people get involved or once you Mm. start listening to other people's advice of what they think they should do. Everything is within us intuitively, so we need to start listening to our our inner voice and concentrating on that. Um, So I don't talk about my relationships. I don't broadcast what's going on in my personal life, and I encourage my clients not to either. So I try and practice what I preach in that sense. Yeah, it must be hard for them to stay off social media, though. Um, so not necessarily, not necessarily stay off social media. So, you know, post one or two photos of yourselves mm-hmm. and don't keep your relationship private, but mm-hmm. don't put everything out there. Um, yeah, you don't want to be posting pictures every single day of what you're both doing. Yeah. And it makes it harder if that relationship doesn't work at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, you have a lot of people asking you questions and it's something that not only sticks with you, but it sticks with the people around you. Yeah. So um, just try and, you know, keep it within yourself. Um, at least until you're engaged or, mm-hmm. you know, something you're committed to each other. Um. But yeah, in in the broad sense, just a relationship is between two people and it should stay like that, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. no, that's wise words, yeah. I think. I always think, thank God, um, I like social media wasn't around when mm-hmm. I was a teenager yeah. or even early years of dating, mm-hmm. like early 20s, it wasn't a big thing. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I'm very grateful that my life yeah. has not been categorized. But hey, nowadays, I even I see that a lot mm-hmm. where people just post pictures that are on a first date. Mm. I mean, I guess it's their choice to do that, but I'm kind of on the same boat as Mm -hmm. you. It took me a while to post anything about my boyfriend and I because I wanted to make sure that we were serious. Yeah, and it takes a long time to get to know an individual Mm -hmm. and to even know what you like about them and whether you like them or love them. Yeah. So spend your time learning about each other and exploring each other um, and then tell the world about it. Yeah. Just make sure that you're happy and you're feeling secure in that relationship first. Yeah. yeah. Well, here's the question. Like, how do you, how do you even like advise your clients, I mm-hmm. guess, um, or even just your own personal opinion of when that turning point is because at the beginning of a relationship you tend to find I know for me there's definitely like the infatuation Mm -hmm. in the beginning and the being swept off your feet and you think you're in love Mm -hmm. and maybe you are but Mm -hmm. maybe you're not and it's like when people ask you how do you know Mm. what would you tell them so <laughs> I would say you just know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those things you can't explain. It's a chemical process for both of you. And again, you really need to be intuitive and you need mm-hmm. to look at your own inner happiness. How do you feel when you're with this person? Can you see your life without this person rather than do you want to be with this person for the rest of your life? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how do you feel when this person is hurt? How do you feel when sometimes you have to give yourself 
the worst situations yeah. and then think, oh my God, like it would completely break me. And then you realize how much this person means to you. Um, but it's an individual thing. You can't look at your partner for, are we ready? You need to mm-hmm. ask yourself that. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. a good point. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Awesome. Well, okay. One more question. Just mm-hmm. a fun question I wanted to ask you. What's the strangest date or strange, strangest dating situation that you've ever been in? And how did you handle it? Being the expert that you are. Okay. <laughs> um, I hope my mom's not listening to this. <laughs> mom turn off now. yeah <laughs> um so uh well i actually met somebody online mm-hmm. um and this guy seemed nice and whatever we went on a date and um i'm a little bit particular with um well, I used to be very particular um, with, I guess, the background of who I date because my grandma only speaks Punjabi. Mm. And so I always wanted to be with someone that's able to communicate with her. Ah, okay. Because she's really important to me. Yeah. And I, I just wanted that connection between whoever I date and my grandma. Yeah. So this guy... Um, basically pretended to me that he was the same background as me yeah and um you couldn't tell by his name he had like a very generic name Mm -hmm. um and he made up all these lies and so he was a a completely different background completely different religion and whatnot and I didn't realize until um we had our day and it, it went great and whatnot and then we went back to his car, he was going to drop me home. And I put down, um, you know, the mirror mm-hmm. in the car where you can see yourself. I put that down and he had like a quote in um, a different language, like a religious quote. And I asked him, oh, what's this? And he's like, oh, it's just a, a religious quote that I believe in. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I can read Punjabi. Okay. So I knew it wasn't Punjabi. So I was like, oh, so what does it say? And then he said something in a completely different language and I was like hold on a minute I'm a bit confused here and um, that's when I realized that he had completely lied to me about everything yeah and it was really strange because he wasn't weird in any other way (laughs) you know we had a perfectly normal nice dinner Um, it was just I was just a bit shocked as to why he had lied yeah it was strange. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's really <laughs> weird. I mean, I'm guessing you had communicated with him or on your profile saying that you would prefer someone who is, you know, fluent in Punjabi or similar background, similar religion. Um, yeah, I think because you can pick like what background you are and what background okay. you want your partner to be and you kind of pick your preferences. Yeah. And I was younger then and I was just a bit like, yeah, I I, I, I wasn't very open minded. Mm-hmm. So I kind of knew what I wanted. And um I guess from there he just started talking to me, but he just started lying from the beginning. And I don't like I would have seen his profile and I don't think, you know, he even had anything to do with background or whatever. Or, mm-hmm. or maybe he had his background as the same as mine. I don't know. Cause yeah. I can't really remember, but we went out on this day and it was really strange. Yeah. 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 I think it's important when you do online dates and yeah. do some 
googling and searching and checking that you know who you go with is kind mm-hmm. of what you're expecting mm-hmm. um yeah don't lie people like that's yeah. not cool <laughs> it's yeah. really not and cool. it's funny that it, it happened to me like you expect it to happen you read about it or you know mm-hmm. it happens to people that you kind of know yeah but when it happens to you and you're like <laughs> I actually got off really lucky that that was it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. so it, it, like, it's kind of scary. And then with that in the back of my mind, I never tried online dating again. Oh, really? Yeah. And then that's, I guess that's how the conception of um, vintage matchmaking mm-hmm. happened too, because I was I was just not willing to, to date online again. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a, a good story, actually. Yeah. A good lesson too, right? <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So before we wrap up, just there. Uh, Tell us a little bit where people can find you other than your website, mm-hmm. vintagematchmaking.com. And you've got some, um, I know you're working on workshops and meditations and stuff. Yeah. So what's in the, the future? So um, you can find me on my website, vintagematchmaking.com. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram on Vintage Matchmaking. My workshops are under the name of The Dating Dialogue. Ooh. Yeah. So um, behind that, I kind of just want to get people talking about dating and, um, you know, exploring other people's experiences and just talking about what's going on in their dating lives and what they might think is going wrong or things that they could possibly be changing and just talking about love in general. So um, that's kind of what my workshops consist of. Um, so you can find the dating dialogue on Facebook and we're actually going to start an online series where we're sharing, um, other people's dating stories. Cool. Yeah. So, um, I think that will be an interesting read and if people want to share their stories, then, um, feel free to contact me. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So this isn't just your clients. This is anyone who's willing to share a story. Yeah, no, um, okay. I want it to be more of a community thing. Cool. So, um, and then hopefully people can read your stories and maybe learn something from it or yeah. um, we can have an open discussion about it. So, yeah, yeah it's you can start a podcast. <laughs> um, I don't know if I'll go that far. <laughs> but, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, no, I'll leave that cool. to you. <laughs> no, it's cool, though, because... Um, when you are in the dating world, sometimes, you know, it can feel lonely, it can feel exhausting. It's nice to read other people's experiences, mm-hmm. good and bad, right? Yeah, exactly. To get both perspectives mm-hmm. and then it just, it helps. Yeah, definitely. and everyone likes to read about love and dating. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I know. I Especially know. when it's real experience. Exactly, and it's not just a romance. Fairy tale. Movie yeah. Or whatever, you know, yeah. <laughs> Definitely, we want some real stories mm-hmm. here. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Priya, thank for being you. open and open to chatting. And uh, yeah, make sure you guys uh, check the website vintagematchmaking.com, and I'll post everything in the show notes so you can follow up. Um, yeah, and thanks so much for tuning in. Thank awesome. You. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Deb Talks, the podcast. We would love to hear from you. So feel free to leave your comments below. Or hey, if you really enjoyed this podcast, then we'd love it if you could rate us highly on iTunes. If you have any questions or even topic ideas for a future episode, then you can email me at info at 
You can always keep up with us on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at DevTalksTV. And you can view our past video episodes on our website at DevTalksTV.com. We'll see you next time.